You're listening to the Fervent Church Podcast, a church in the Austin area who exists so that people may know Jesus. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're encouraged, challenged, and strengthened in your relationship with Jesus today. For more teachings, information, or to support our ministry, please visit fervent.church. We pray you're blessed by the message. This is our first time doing a live stream like this. This is uh, welcome to the Weiss House over here. Um, Celia, can you see? We're watching ourselves on live. And yes, there's a mess on the floor. And I thought it wasn't there, but it is there. All right. Anyways, welcome to the fervent gathering online. Um, Glad to have you guys. Our team's tuning in, which is right behind you guys on Zoom. So we got, uh, how many people? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people. Pretty cool. Um, kind of sucks that we have to do this from a distance, but glad that we can do it through internet and modern day technology. Um, some things that I want to talk about today. Um, first off, just reminding you guys, our team, anybody who's listening, um, that we we are the fervent church um, and our whole goal is so that people may know Jesus and what it's my crazy daughter she might be interrupting for a little bit um, but I wanted to remind you guys of who we are what we're trying to do and how we're gonna actually accomplish that and so we're the fervent church so that people may know Jesus and who we are um, if I turned it around I could show you guys but we're a d- diverse group of people and even um, some of the people on there aren't our entire team um, as of today. There's a few people missing, but we're a diverse group of people from many different backgrounds of life. And I think our age range is from like 20 um, is the youngest up to about 50 is the oldest. And so it's just a diverse group of people who love Jesus, who love each other and want to see um, people come to know Jesus. Our goal, if we boiled it down to one thing, really, is to make disciples. We want to reach and teach so that people may know Jesus. And to kind of bring some biblical perspective to our mission statement so that people may know Jesus. Well, number one, there's a problem that we see. And it's Matthew chapter 7. Jesus puts it best in, um, in verse 21. And he says that many will come to me on that day. And he's talking about the day they die. They face Jesus, God in, in the flesh, right? Uh, face to face they meet Jesus and they come to him and they say on that day Lord Lord didn't we cast out demons Didn't we do all these works in your name and then Jesus says something that's really kind of frightening if you think about it in verse 23 and he says that um, depart from me I never knew you and so that's a problem Um, and that's the problem that we see in this world today and the biggest problem of all is that people don't know Jesus they don't have a relationship with Jesus of course Jesus knows everything about us But just like you and I, people might say they know you just because they've seen you on Facebook Live or they've um, seen you on Instagram, but they don't know you. You know, to know someone, you have to spend time with them. You have that personal connection. You sit down, have coffee, have that those deep conversations of life. And that's what Jesus wants to have with us. Um, Just as if, if we would have coffee with Jesus and get into those deep conversations of life, Jesus wants to know us. And so that's the problem, number one, that we see that people don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. And the solution that we believe as the fervent church is really, well, we want to be fervent. 
we want to be fervent in everything we do. And just to define fervent a little bit is it's passionate. We want to be passionate in everything we do, worship, um, this teaching of the word, prayer, just everything that we do. We want to just have this fire about us. And the thing about fire is it's contagious, right? Like it's, it's this thing, it's like COVID-19, it's contagious and it just spreads like wildfire. But James actually says in his book, he says that the tongue is like a fire, who can tame it? And he's using it in a bad way, saying that like you're saying bad things, it could just go and spread like wildfire. Well, the same is true if we use the tongue for good and we speak good words. Proverbs says that the tongue brings forth life and death, uh, or in the power of the tongue. And so what we want to do is we want to speak words like that. We want to be passionate with our words, fervent with them, um, with a fire as we persevere. And that was another thing that I thought about this week um, when I was thinking about fervent. It's not just this idea of everything, we just ignore all the fears or threats of life and just act like everything's good and oh, we're so passionate and joy-filled. No, it's not just that, but it's like, hey, we know things are hard. We're not sure how it's going to turn out, but we're going to push on anyways. And that's that's part of being fervent, like, hey, we're going to endure through the persecution there a little bit and see what happens. And so that's what we think um, as the fervent church. We see the problem. People don't know Jesus. Well, how can we get them to know him? Well, we want to be excited about it. We want to push through the hard times. And so when people see us going through COVID-19, some people losing jobs, not getting jobs, they can see us in the same boat as them and say, well, how did you do it? How are you getting through? How do you have this hope? And this courage and so that's kind of what we we are who we are and why we're doing it um, all this stuff with the fervent church tonight is our second gathering um, kind of officially unofficially and so we're gonna be doing Saturday nights um, pretty much every Saturday 6 p.m. Texas time 4 p.m. for those of you in Tucson or Arizona um, but tonight like last week and I mean everybody knows what's going on right COVID-19 is kind of just taking over the world but like last week's message, we talked about how the world's hurting and they need hope, they need help, they need answers, and they're just they're just in this scared position. What's going to happen? And that was the question that we asked last week was, well, what do we do? What do we do that now that COVID-19's shutting down churches and church services and schools and now um, all these businesses and only essential businesses are open, which I've noticed everybody found a loophole to call themselves essential. Um, if you didn't notice that, I don't know. Um, but anyways, that's that's besides the point. But we see COVID-19 um, hurting the world and it's only spreading, it's only getting bigger and we see little glimmers of hope, right? If you guys watched the news and you saw Donald Trump yesterday, he signed the biggest bill to ever pass in Senate in record time. And so it was a $2.2 trillion, $2 trillion bill that he that he passed 2.2 trillion dollars which is crazy like i can't even imagine that and i think with everything else included it's like six trillion dollars actually is something that i heard or read but what i got to say to that is even though there's a glimmer of hope like oh donald trump's gonna cut us a check for three thousand dollars that's nice and great and everything but that's not gonna last that's not lasting hope it, it won't really get us anywhere, right? It might pay the bills for next month, but what about the month after that? Um, so people really need hope in these days. And so last week, for those who um, were here, a reminder, and those who weren't here, just to catch you up to speed, we talked about a message that I called Stay the Course. Stay the Course. Like, what do we do? 
How do we respond to this crisis and this pandemic that's hitting the world? Well, how we respond as Christians, um, we stay the course. Our mission is the same. Um, think of it this way, is like our identity, right? Our identity is not in our jobs. It's not in the things that we do per se, but it's in, it's in Christ, or at least it should be. And if it's in Christ, then our mission hasn't changed. If it's in Christ, nothing really has changed, right? Our hope is the same. It's still firm. We still know where we're going. We still know what we're doing. Just the world and the plays, the plays we're making might look a little different. And so our goal, stay in the course, make disciples, reach and teach so that people may know Jesus. And tonight what I want to share a message, and I'm going to do it quickly. I'm going to call tonight's message, Why? Why? W-H-Y question mark. And we're going to go to Titus chapter 1. And then we're going to be in a little bit of 2 Corinthians, but you don't got to turn there. It's going to be more of a recap. All right, Titus chapter 1 is where we'll be. And we're really just going to go over the first five verses. But let's pray. Father, we come to you uh, tonight, Lord, just seeking answers, seeking uh, just a refill, Lord, of hope, of joy, of just your Holy Spirit, God. And we pray that you would just pour out your holy fire upon us, Lord, that you would cleanse us from within, Lord, that you would burn away any impurities in us, Lord, that is not of you, God, and that you would fill us with everything that is of you, God. We want our heart to break for what breaks yours. We want our heart to rejoice for what rejoices your heart, Lord. So just make us more like you tonight. We pray for everyone who's tuning in online, Lord, or who may tune in throughout the teaching. God, that you would help this live stream to be a strong broadcast, Lord, that people would hear and it wouldn't cut in and out. God, we pray for no technical difficulties, Lord, but we just pray that your word would go forth, God, and that you would encourage us, challenge us, convict us, Lord, and ultimately, God, change us into who you want us to be, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight's message title, I'm calling Why, and what I want to share before I get into it is that um, me and Amber, we went to this conference once, and this guy said this stuff, and it really changed my perspective on church ministry um, specifically, and he said what and why, and those are the two like biggest questions. So he said, first off, what? Like you need to define the what is what he said. And so when talking about church ministry, church volunteers, um, you got to define what they are doing. So if you work in the coffee shop, well, what do you do? You make coffee, right? It's like if you're a greeter, you greet. If you are the pastor, you teach, you care for the sheep, you, you talk with people, you pray with people. Like those are the what you do. If you're in kids ministry, you watch kids. Like that's what you do. And that's pretty easy to define. But he took it a step further. And this was the part that really kind of blew my mind for, for a little bit as I took it in. But he said you have to define the what and you have to magnify the why. The reason why it's like and so what he was saying is like you've got to drive the reason why because if you don't have a reason why you're doing things things are just going to seem so meaningless and empty right and so tonight the first question i want to start out asking is what is your why what is your why and obviously we could go into different little subtitles and say well why do you work at your job and that'd be an easy one right well i work at a job because i have to get paid um, I have to get paid because I have bills, right? I have bills because I have a house that I have to live in and I have a house that I have to live in because I need shelter. Like those are the reasons why and that's what drives you or should drive you a little bit to work, right? Um, 
why do I go to school? Well, I go to school because I'm trying to get an education. I want to get an education so I can get a degree. I want to get a degree so I can get a job. And then the list goes right back to point uh, the first thing. I, I get a job because I want to get paid and I want to have a house and I want to, et cetera, et cetera. But what I want to say is, what is your why or your motivation in life? What's the overarching theme in your life that like, you would say, hey, this is why I do everything. Like I work and this is a, work is just a subtitle under my reason why. And, and I guess to put it a different way, what is your goal at the end of the day? Or what is your goal at the beginning of the day? What gets you up out of bed where you say, okay, I want to go to work. I want to be a good um, witness to people, my coworkers. I want to be a good husband or a wife or a friend, whatever the case is for you. Like, what is your why? And then I guess to take it another step further, just to ask the question, do you even have one? Do you even have a reason why? And I think it's really important because I've, I've felt this way in ministry specifically, and I've seen many people feel this way in life, where if you don't have a why, a reason why that you do what you do, um, you can do all the what's that you want, right? You could greet, you could serve, you could do all these things. But if you don't know why, at some point, and I will say this, at some point, you will leave discouraged, burnt out, depressed, and eventually miserable. Eventually miserable. And I, I can say those things because I know for firsthand, um, from a ministry perspective, but also just a life perspective, where you just go off aimlessly, you don't really have a target goal, you're just going through a routine because it's just your routine, but you don't really know why you have that routine in the first place, right? So as you keep doing these monotonous tasks over and over and over again, you end up becoming a little discouraged, a little burnt out and depressed. And like I said, in ministry, I see this in my own life, I've seen it in others, and really the whole reason they get burnt out, depressed, and miserable is because they've lost sight of the goal, or worse yet, they never had a goal to begin with. Um, miserable, uh, the, the thing about misery too is like, it loves company, right? Miserable people like to talk about miserable things. And so you see that kind of happen, and when you hear that happening, it's because they don't have a reason why. You see in life right now too, we're in an interesting time. I mean, right now specifically, depression is on the rise, right? Just in the last probably two or three weeks. But even like the last probably five to 10 years, depression's on the rise. Look at statistics of it. And the amount of people who are prescribed antidepressants has gone up through the roof, right? Suicides has gone up through the roof. It's like, and it's all because people are depressed. And I would wager to bet it's because people don't have a clear reason why they ask the question well why am i here and if they just say like well why am i working like it just seems so pointless why do i go to school why do i go to church if they don't know why you end up depressed discouraged burnt out miserable and when you have nothing to live for at the end of the day it's like why am i here why go on another day and so we see this kind of just happening all throughout our world and especially like i said right now in this point um, in life right two, three weeks into this huge COVID thing. I mean, it's been a couple months now, really. Um, but people are more depressed probably than ever, and they need hope. And so that's what I'm hoping to kind of give us today is some hope. But we're going to look at Titus chapter 1, verse 1 is where we'll start. And he says this. says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I want to pause there real quick. And really tonight, I just want to, hit a few things. Um, we're not going to go super deep into this um, 
Bible study, but so he says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to point out first off, Paul, um, if you know anything about Paul, Paul was Saul, right? Saul was not a Christian. He hated the fact or the thought of Jesus, right? He didn't believe in it. He didn't believe it to be true. Um, he actually persecuted Christians. He was standing by in, what is it, Acts 6 or 7, when he, when the, um, the Sadducees and all of them, they stoned, they threw rocks at Stephen, a Christian who believed in Jesus, who proclaimed his name. They throw rocks at him to kill him, right? And Saul's standing by. Basically, he signed that bill to pass it and say, yeah, go ahead and kill him. Like, that's essentially what happened. And so Saul hated the church, didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, he was actually going out to persecute the church even more. Like, he was like, hey, let's just let's just go all ISIS on them, right? It's like, you guys remember ISIS, right? It was a big deal a couple years ago, right? They would actually spray paint the Arabic letter N on the, um, on the side of people's houses to mark them as a Nazarene, and they would pull them out of their house, and they would tell them, like, you either needed to, de to deny Jesus, um, or you're going to prison, or they would take it even further and they would kill them, right? They'd behead them or they would take away from their family. And so anyway, Saul was like the original OG ISIS back in the day. He was going around killing Christians and he was um, persecuting the church. Well, he's going out to persecute the church and then Jesus intervenes. He has this um, intervention with, with Saul and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Right? And then Saul says to them, he says, who are you, Lord? Right? And he says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And so he has this huge moment with Jesus. Jesus blinds him um, physically, can't see, right? He goes to, I think it's Ananias' house. And anyways, Jesus is like, hey, go over to him, um, telling Ananias this, like, go to him, put your hands on him um, so that he can have sight. And Ananias is like, what? Are you crazy? I'm not going to Saul's house to put my hands on him. If he's going to kill me, right? But anyways, he does it. He's a brave man. He does it. Saul's eyes are open, and then now he's he's called Paul. And then his 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 whole world is enlightened. And then what you see, and it's a beautiful thing, is you see him actually start to have that relationship with Jesus, um, one to one, and he starts to just serve Jesus. And so now what you see here is the result is Paul, a servant of God, um, and that word is doulos. If you guys do word studies in the Greek at all, and that's really what what scholars would say is like the lowest form of a slave. Like basically say, hey, I am the lowest of low servant of all. But it also means a, it's like a couple meanings. Another meaning would be like it's a bond servant, meaning like I'm free to do whatever I want, but I'm going to subject myself to you anyways. So it's this word doulos. And so he says, I'm a servant of God. In other words, I'm a slave. I'm devoted. I'm committed. I'm submitted. It doesn't matter what you want me to do, where you want me to go. I'm here. And so that's what Paul is saying. And again, just imagine the huge transformation that has to happen from a guy who wanted to kill Christians and did. And then now he actually is proclaiming Christ and he's saying, I'm a Christian myself. That's a big change. And so then he says, I'm a servant of God. And he takes another step. He says, and I'm a pop, an apostle of Jesus Christ, which you guys probably know means sent one. Apostle is just this idea of the one who sent. And so what he's saying here, he says what his, he's defining his what, right? He's like, my what or my, my orders, right? I said like, if you work in the coffee shop, you make coffee. He's like, hey, I'm a Christian. He's like, so I'm going 
to serve God. I'm going to serve God. And so starting out, I don't know, I just want to kind of encourage us tonight and just to say to us, our, our calling, our what, if you will, in a very broad sense is the same. Go and serve God. It doesn't mean you have to come out here to Texas necessarily. It doesn't mean that you need to go to any great extent as far as distance, but it means you need to go out somewhere and serve God. See, many of us, I think, many, maybe even all of us online, I don't know who's all online right now, but we would say that we're a Christian and we believe in God, right? We believe intellectually. Like, I know that God exists, um, but what I want to say is that do we believe enough to actually step out in faith and trust him? Do we believe in him enough to actually do something about it is the question. Because belief without action, as James says, isn't really anything at all. He says, actually, says faith without works is dead. And that's not very encouraging. Like, it says, hey, you believe, great, good for you. But if you don't have any works to back it up, it doesn't mean anything. And so what he's saying is God doesn't just, or what I want to say is God doesn't want you just to know about him intellectual belief. God wants you to know him on a relational level. And again, that's what we see Paul here, where he's like, he has this relational component where it's like, I know God. I had a moment with him. I had an intervention with him. Like, I believe he is real. And so you see that transformation from where Paul was persecuting. Now he's proclaiming. And then he's like, I believe that Jesus is God that he died a death that I should have died. He was buried in the grave, as the scripture says, and he rose again on the third day, and now he's ascended to heaven. It's like Paul would say, I believe those things. Like he has this relational level um, relationship with Jesus. And so I just want to encourage us like, to be like Paul, where he's just like, hey, put your name in there, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Like you're not just a servant of God that just I just believe. No, a servant, by definition, serves. They do something, right? They have action there. An apostle, by definition, is one that is sent out. They go somewhere. They do something. And so I want to encourage you, just as we get into this, like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? And especially now when people are questioning, like, hey, why am I here? What do I do now? It's like, well, again, like last week, stay the course. Things haven't changed for the Christian. It's like, sure, you might have lost your job or you got an extended time off right now, but it's like our goal is the same thing. Make disciples, um, teach them the things that Jesus taught us and baptize them, and let's just keep filling the seats in heaven. And so Paul's like, hey, I'm a servant of God, and I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. So that's the what. And then check out his why. The next part of verse 1, he says, For the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge... Of the truth. I think it's super powerful and it's one of those things that makes me stop for a second because he's like, Paul, a servant of God, I'm, I'm yours, God. I'm here for you. I'm sent out for you. And he says, it's for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. And I just love how selfless um, Paul is. And I think that's what we need to know, especially in this time, in this day and age where people are hurting. Like, I think we all have the tendency to look at ourselves and our situation and we get down and depressed. But like the new, the reality is, guys, the whole world's going through the same thing. Like the whole world is going through COVID-19, trying to figure out what to do. Government's trying to fix the economies and find a cure and get the cure out if they can make it or have it or whatever. Um, but the one thing that they might not have is what we have, and that's hope and faith and knowledge of the truth. 
And by Jesus' definition, Jesus is the truth. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And so he says, he says, I'm a servant of God for the sake of others, essentially, for their knowledge of the truth. And I just love it. And one of the things that made me happy when God kind of brought this up is like the fervent church, so that people may know Jesus. Like, why are we fervent? Why are we coming out to Texas? Why are we being these sent ones and being servants to God in that way? It's like, well, so that people out here and people online, wherever you're watching, may know Jesus, may know the truth. Um, and I just, and I love it. So he goes on, though, let's keep reading. May, uh, their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. And so he goes on there to kind of just talk about more of what he does. I love how it's like as he goes... He's entrusted by God to preach his word. Um, I, and I think that's something that many of us lack. Like, what's my gifting? What am I supposed to do, Lord? Like, why am I here again? What's my why? What's my reason and purpose? What am I supposed to do? Well, many times we'll find that as we go. Like, as we test the waters, we start to figure it out. Like in sports, like you don't know that you're good at pitching in baseball if you don't just try pitching once, right? You don't know if you're good as a... Um, I don't even know all the basketball terms, so I shouldn't even try to use them, right? But like a three-point shooter, if you you won't know if you don't try. So it's like almost like with Jesus, it's like, hey, just get out there and start trying some things and figure out what you're good at, what God's gifted you with, and you'll start to see. And so Paul sees like, hey, he's entrusted me to, to preach and teach this gospel. Um, <clears throat> sorry, looking at my notes here. And then verse 5, uh, he, he goes on, he says, This is why I left you in Crete. So he's talking to Titus now, right? This is why I left you in Crete. And so, says this, so that you might put what remained into order. And I just want to, and we'll pretty much stop there tonight, but I love that he gives Titus his reason why. Why am I here? Why am I going through these things? And I... I get the impression that Titus is probably going through a little bit of hardship. He's probably going through some struggles, some doubt, like, hey, why did I stay in Crete in the first place? I could have been going with Paul, seeing all kinds of stuff, seeing him heal people, seeing many people come to Jesus. But no, I'm here in Crete, in this island. And as you, if you read through Titus 1, there's just a bunch of liars and lazy gluttons, and they're just up to no good, and I don't know why I'm here anyways. And it can be very easy to get to that point in life um, and think those things, right? It's like, well, why did I go out to Texas in the first place? And I was shared with the team and some people online last week, I was having thoughts of that at first, where I had a job one day, three days later, I got rid of that, or I didn't get rid of the job, the job got rid of me. And, uh, sorry, our, our uh, Zoom ended. Let me see if I can get our team back on here. I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. Oh man, probably not. But anyways, for those of you guys on Facebook, we'll see. Um, you'll see this, and so 
I don't even know what I was saying because I got distracted because the screen went blank. Uh, ah, yes, my job. Thank you to my faithful, loving wife who always remembers everything, the good and the bad. Uh, and always faithful to remind me. Um, but my job, so I was in that boat where I'm just like, well, why did we come out here? Why did we do these things? We bought a house. We moved our family. We left a job that I loved, um, a church family that I loved, my actual like blood family that I loved, my friends that I grew up with since um, kindergarten and all those things. And so anyways, we move out here. I'm a little discouraged because we don't get this job. And the day we left, we didn't know that this was going to happen, right? The whole COVID thing. Um they announce it as a pandemic. The grocery stores get ravaged. All of that stuff um, happens. And again, I lose my job. So I'm like, man, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are we here? I'm just getting a little messed up in my mind. And so, but when I look at Titus chapter one, I mean, for one, if you just kind of put yourself into the context of this, this was a letter written by Paul to Titus. Um, and different people will say who who actually delivered the letter, and that doesn't even matter. Whoever delivered the letter, good for them. But just think about it. Back in that day, if you wrote a letter and you wanted to send it to someone on an island, even if that island wasn't like super far away, like how long would that take? You don't have cars, you don't have automobiles, you don't have a ship with a gas-powered engine. No, you have to actually like walk it somewhere, get on your donkey or your camel, take it somewhere, give it to somebody else to take over, and like it's gonna take a while. So if you put yourself in the context of this, this, uh, this letter, it's like Paul and Titus have talked about this already. And Paul's like, hey, I left you in Crete, right? In implying that I was there with you and we kind of agreed upon this, like, I'm going to leave, you're going to stay, you're going to plant this church, you're going to raise up elders, pastors, leaders, and that's what you're going to do so that people may know Jesus, essentially. And so anyways, like, now he has to remind him. How often in life, guys, do we need a reminder like this, where it's like, this is why. And that's what I want to do for you guys today, is I want to say, for those of you who are in this situation, maybe like I was a week or two ago, or why did we come out here? Man, this is crazy. What do we do now? Right? Well, last week, God gave me that message. Stay the course. That's what you do. Why are you here? So that people may know Jesus. See, we need to stop looking at our problems and opposition as just something bad and like Satan ruined the whole plan. Now there's no hope. No, what we need to see opposition as is an opportunity. Like, hey, we have this great opportunity now. There's so much hopelessness that hope has the greatest chance to flourish now more than ever in history, right? Or at least in my history, my days of living here on earth, which isn't that long, but like, so there's, there's this chance for hope to flourish. We got the gospel of Jesus, the good news that can bring joy and salvation to all when people are like hurting and they just don't know what's next. It's like God is trying to get their attention. And so if we can actually dive into scripture, draw closer to God, we can find that God is actually doing something here. Instead of looking at this whole thing like, man, the world's going crazy and the economy's going down and man, oh, woe is me and I got problems and this, that and the other thing, right? It's like if we could just look at God's word and one thing I was reminded by uh, God earlier this week, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, he says, if I uh, shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, if I would put pour out locusts that... Um, um, ravage the fields, right? And if I would send pestilence among my people, well, right now in history, literally, like with 
right now going on, there's droughts all over the world. Australia being one of them last year, right? We had these um, wildfires like we've never seen before, basically burn up the whole continent, right? Just kind of crazy. So there's, there's a drought going on. We got locusts in Africa and the Middle East, like devouring the land, guys. Look it up. It said something like an estimated 200 billion locusts, and I don't know how you could estimate it, but that's what they said, are just devouring the land. It says that they can eat, something I read said that one locust can eat I don't know, some ridiculous amount like of his body weight. And so like these locusts can eat something like 80 million pounds of food or stuff a day. It's just crazy. So anyways, just to put that into perspective, those things are happening Then pestilence right now. We have this pestilence, COVID-19. And, and I know we got to be careful when we say, well, God did this to us. But what I will say, and we, you really can't argue with it, is that God allowed this to happen. Whether he sent it or not, uh, that really doesn't matter, but God allowed it. And I got to say, there's always a reason in whatever God allows, whatever's happening. God is sovereign over everything. He knows what's happening. He has all power, all dominion is his. And so for something to happen this big and catastrophic, God obviously knows. He's not taking a break. He didn't go on vacation. He knows what's going on. So he's watching. But so he says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, right after that, he says, so if I do these things, it's almost like, if I do these, he says, but if my people would pray, and if they would humble, my, humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, he says, then I will see and hear from heaven, and I will forgive them their sins, which is the first problem before anything else, right? I mean, COVID-19 is a problem, but even bigger than that is sin. Something that's been around since Adam and Eve, that's been killing every single person since Adam and Eve, except for a couple, right? Um, Elijah uh, being taken up into heaven, right? Lucky guy, right, I suppose. But sin is far greater than COVID-19. It's killed far more than COVID-19 ever will, than any virus ever has. And so I just want to say that, that it's like, so God wants to forgive us and then he wants to heal our land. So I think with all that's going on right now, like we could look at it and say, man, oh, woe was me. What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to get out? Oh man, life sucks. It's hard. And yeah, it is hard. It's hard for everybody. But the one thing that we have as a Christian, um, a follower of Jesus, is we have hope. We have the salvation. Salvation, my pastor, Pastor Robert, always reminds us um, what Jesus says, like, you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Like, we can go and unlock the door and let him in. And it's as easy as saying, hey, Jesus loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants you to be perfect, but he knows you're not. So he died for you and paid for your sins anyways. He paid your way into heaven. And if you would just accept that and follow him, then you'll have everlasting life. Right? So that's what he wants. And so he's like, hey, you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So if we can start looking at this epidemic, this um, opposition, if you will, as an opportunity, man, we could find our why right there. You see what I'm saying? See, see, Paul says, my why, he says, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Everything that he does. And let me just remind you of a couple things. I, I wrote them down. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 9, we went over last week, but he says this to the church at Corinth. He says, we do not want you to be unaware. He's like, we want you to know of the affliction that we experienced. He says, we were so utterly burdened that we despaired of life itself. Paul wanted to die, is what he's saying. He says, 
But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, Paul turned that opposition into an opportunity. Hey, hey, I wanted to die, but it showed me that God is so much bigger than what I'm going through. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, he says this. He says, we are afflicted, but we're not crushed. These are things that he's going through, right? He says, we're afflicted, but not crushed. crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed, right? Some pretty intense things. But he said this, we're always carrying the body, or carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. See, Paul knew what he was supposed to do. When Paul was converted, he all of a sudden knew that Jesus is real. He loves me. He died for me. He resurrected and he's making a place in heaven. And so now my job, my why, my whole reason of living, whether um, Satan throws fiery darts at us, right? Whether he sends pestilence, whether he sends um, different temptations and economic ups and downs. He's like, my goal in life, my reason for breathing is so that people may know Jesus. So that people may know Jesus, right? So he says, for the sake of everybody else, man, if we could just grasp that attitude and say, everything I go through today, it's for those around me. And what I've heard a lot of people say, and I mean, thank you if you guys are are watching this and this was one of you, um, a lot of people are like, oh man, you and your family, you're so brave going out there and God's gonna be with you and he's calling you. And especially once this COVID thing hit, hit, I heard this a few times, people are like, God has called you for such a time as this. And it's encouraging on one hand, but I got to say, it bums me out on the other because I want to respond to that and say, God has called you for such a time as this too. Like you're here, you're alive today, going through the same things that I'm going through. Sure, you're not moving to Texas, but you got COVID-19 knocking on your doorstep too. And it's like, you got the keys of the kingdom. You don't need to be like, oh, Nick, you go. I'm going to fan your flame so that you can tell the world about Jesus. No, you need to tell the world about Jesus. There's people in your life that that I will never be able to reach, that your pa- other pastors will never be able to reach. It doesn't matter how many online viewers and shares and likes you get. There's going to be those people that just don't check that, right? But you, in, in your personal atmosphere in life, man, you can go and reach out. It's like, why are we here? So that we can tell people about Jesus. Why are we going through these things? Well, I think it's just a great awakening happening right now for God to say, hey, wake up, get it together. Stop being so comfortable. Stop relying on yourselves. And that's what I love too. Like God has taken so many things away from people, which I mean, it's weird to say that I love that, but he's taken them away to say, you don't need all of that. And and that's what I love too about this chapter. He says to Titus, he says, this is your why. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. He says, so that you might put what remains into order. I taught a message about this to my uh, college group a few years ago and talked about what remains. And the main point of it was that you don't need more to be effective. You just need to use what you have. That, that was the whole point. Like, we don't need to get more money. We don't need to get more lights and fancy things and pay for different subscriptions and advertisements to get our word out. And we could use those, and I'm not saying that it's sin, but it's like the premise here that Paul's telling Titus, you don't need anything fancy. What you have is what you need. You just need to start using it. And so I just want to encourage you guys today, I guess, as we close out, um, 
I know I probably went a little bit longer than I wanted to, but I want to encourage you guys that instead of worrying so much about what's going on, how things are going to go, maybe we could turn our focus onto others and how can we help them? How can we be a servant of God by serving others and try to be that light and guiding people to heaven, right? Um, and I guess lastly, I just want to say, if you're struggling with knowing your reason why, why do you exist? Why are you going through pains and trials and tribulations? Well, you're going through it because Jesus wants to use you as a light. Um, whether you like what's happening or not, Jesus says in this world you will have tribulation. And that, unfortunately, that's an absolute. You will have tribulation. He says, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And that's where our hope lies. That's why even in the midst of something as big as a pandemic as we're going through right now, we can still have great hope and joy because we're like, our hope doesn't change. It's still there. It's in Jesus. It's still secure. Nobody can touch our inheritance that we get in Jesus' name. So when we look at things that way, it's like I can face this pandemic and I can start to look at others. How can I help? How can I serve? How can I be a light in, in the world, in the community out there in times like this? And so know your why. Like the bottom line is that you can find your reason for living and to press on and go through it is because Jesus did it for you. He pressed on. He didn't give up. He didn't back down. He took on the cross full strength for you and I, took our sins upon the cross, died, buried him in the grave. He was resurrected on the third day. And as you know, he's ascended into heaven and he's coming again. And he might come tonight, might come in a year. I don't know, but all this stuff is exciting me because I'm like, God, you might be coming back soon. And I just want to be on my, on my A game. And I hope that you would too. Know your why. Like you have a reason for living because Jesus died so that you may live. And he didn't just die so that you could live comfortably, do whatever you want. No, he died so that you could take his message out to the world. Like Paul, when he had that transformation and his eyes were open, all of a sudden it's like all he wanted to do with his every breath was just tell people about Jesus. Start a new church, start a new Bible study. He's going to this place, he's going to that place, he's going to Rome. Right? He's just all about Jesus. And man, may we be like that. May we not get all comfortable into our little comfort zone and we just go through the mundane, especially if any of you ministry leaders are watching right now. Like, Don't get so comfortable in the routines of ministry that you get comfortable and you forget why you're there. You're there to lead people to Jesus. And if we ever forget that, that's when, again, we're going to be discouraged because we're like, am I even doing a good job? Is there even fruit happening right now? I don't know. I felt like my teaching was good, but I don't know if it actually was good because there was only this many viewers. And it's like, who cares? Like at the end of the day, like let's stop being about ourselves and be about the people. We're here for the people so that they may know Jesus. Anyways, guys, that's my message for today. I want to pray real quick and uh, we'll be back next week. Um, yeah, so Father, we just thank you for your word. I pray that you would... Teach all of us, Lord, our reason for breathing, for being, for just being here, God, and that you would empower us to do the things that you want us to do, God, that you would teach us what you want us to do, God. Show us our giftings. Help us to experiment with our giftings. Do we have the gift of teaching or encouragement or administration or whatever the gifting is, Lord, would you bring it to surface that we could use these gifts in this time of great need worldwide Lord, now we would see this world come to know you, come closer to you, not just know you intellectually, but know you relationally, God. And I just thank you for this time and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
So guys, we'll uh, be here every Saturday, 6 p.m. Texas time, 4 p.m. Uh, Arizona time, and it'll be on Facebook Live and unless we announce differently, so you guys can kind of plan on that. It will be more topical in nature right now. I just want to kind of go with the flow of the Spirit. What is He saying? What does He want to say to the church? What is He saying to me? Um, just things like that, and I just really want us to, I don't know, just lean in. What does God want to do? He's doing something. It's special. It's unique. And I don't want to miss it. Um, so I hope you guys are um, encouraged. Thanks for joining. Peace out. Until next time. Can you say peace out? That's her doing peace out. All right.